How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the RDN Good Roller Pod, episode four. Today's episode is sponsored by Wheel Hockey. Wheel Hockey, I always talk about them. They have the coolest roller hockey swag you can buy. Shirts, hoodies, hats, whatever you need, they have. You can see them on Instagram and Facebook, or check them out online at willrdac.com. Before we get into this pod, I just want to talk about Winter Wars coming up. Winter War West in Huntington Beach, California. I'm going to be out there. Roller Dad News, thanks to State Wars. We are going to be covering the event. Um, definitely going to be doing some live stream of the Pro Division in semifinals and the championship game. So if you see me out there, say hey. And uh, definitely going to be doing some podcasts with people. So in the next couple of weeks, we're definitely going to have some good content to release. So without further ado, I'm going to send it over to Kevin for the intro of this pod. This podcast was personally one of my favorites I've done, getting to talk to these two legends in the sport and where they have been. It was uh, it's pretty awesome. So, hope you guys enjoy. Cheers, Cheers boys. Have a good one here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have something special on tap today. We got two guys who've been teammates for a hot minute on the Snipers, and they're playing over in France together. We got PJ The Voice, Kavaya, and... The most interesting man in roller hockey, Mr. Wigglesworth, Mr. Nathan Sigmund. Boys from across the pond, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having us, guys. Pleasure to be here, fellas. Welcome to the pod. How's uh how's your guys' games this weekend? I know you guys played what's the team you played? Is it called Verzone? Yeah, Verzone. Okay. How was those yeah. games this weekend? It was pretty good. We uh, It was a running gun game. We have a small rink, and so do they. So it was kind of a battle of same hockey style. We were just going back and forth. So it was a fun game. Got out to like a 4-0 start pretty early and uh, kind of let off the uh, let off the gas a little bit. They came back, but um, ended up winning 9-4. to Three points for the boys and, uh, you know, had a couple beers after to celebrate. And playing a couple it, sodas, a couple, couple sodas for the boys. Lovely pops. Yeah. Is it? Uh, is that three periods there? Two periods. Two periods. Okay. 20, Eric, how long are those? How how long? Two twenty-five minute periods. Oh, nice. That's, Ooh, old Bladium yeah. Rec League. Yeah, that's what our high school league used to be. It was two twenty-five minute. And those that is were, sick. Yeah, those can get yeah, out of hand. It's a difference in those five minutes. You know, you notice it when you first get back and uh, get back over here, and you're usually playing twenty minutes or even less, fifteen in March or something. 17 yeah. yards. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I noticed a huge, like, uh, obviously drop down, like, playing Narch and State Wars. Even State Wars feels long when you're there, but you're playing multiple games in a day, right? But here, you got one game per weekend, and 25 minutes is, is pretty good time, in my opinion, for, like, a roller hockey game. No, yeah, that's, uh, I yeah. Mean, yeah, especially with the pro league as well, too, because you have fans coming there, too, and they're, you know, you want to have a long game. So that's a, it's an event. Yeah. You know? It's an event. Exactly. And people yeah. are coming out. You want it to last. So, well, fellas, let's start from the get-go. Where uh, – I know you guys are both Cali natives, but uh, I guess where in particular and kind of where did you guys start playing at? Start off. Yeah, so uh, I'm from a town called San Clemente, a little small beach town, um, South Orange County. And uh, when I was younger, I had a best friend that I would played basically all sports with, uh, soccer, baseball, and uh, one – one year, his mom just wanted to sign him up for roller hockey, basically at a tennis court. And my parents kind of followed suit. And uh, him and I are still best friends to this day. Uh, we've been going like I don't know, 25 years of best friends. But uh, basically, he's the reason I even got started with hockey, man. Like, 
didn't didn't know a whole lot about it beforehand and just kind of threw on the wheels and honestly man for me as soon as i got on those skates man the rest was history dude i just loved it so much the feel of the of the wind in my face and everything else that involved uh with with, with the game and it was it was pretty uh it was pretty for me yeah. it was a awesome for me a very unique sport but very cool to, to start something new like that absolutely what about you six uh me i started roller a, a little bit later i started ice first and uh kind of got into roller um a little bit after um my dad's best buddy was from michigan and got, and got uh, both my dad and i uh started with hot roller hockey at the same time and uh i was mostly we had a bunch of neighborhood and ice hockey buddies that would get together we'd play play some roller out on a on a basketball court and we'd just shoot at the pole of the basketball hoops <laughs> for a net and uh yeah i just had a great time doing that fell in love with it got into some leagues i'm from i'm originally from san diego and and so with ice hockey we would always be mostly driving up to la to play games like usually every weekend we're driving up there and when roller kind of got going a little more i was playing in a uh in a part of san diego that's closer to the border in a town in a part of town called la mesa and it had like a big tent kind of similar to like west Covina style rink and uh yeah and just uh and obviously fell in love with the sport kept it going uh from from around five six years old and here we are nice did you guys do you guys know each other growing up as uh i mean as kids uh playing hockey um honestly i didn't i didn't know a whole lot about you man like he's one year older but obviously when like things got a little more in, uh serious for us in, in the roller game he you know played on a pretty dominant team called anaheim bulldogs 86 and and I was at the time playing for OC eighty seven. OC Blades, so, yeah, OC Blades eighty seven. I was like my first real like um, not an arch experience, but first real like uh, team where you felt like you know your team could win nationals. You know, yeah. And with this guy, I, I mean, I'm sure you could say, but like his team had a chance basically every year to win, even if they were the younger uh, year going into a you know two year age group. Their team always had a chance to win because they were they were very well known throughout basically all the tournaments. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we put some put some guys together from ICE, actually, that uh, played all over uh, L.A. and uh, uh, put together a team. And guys, uh, you know, Troy Redman was playing with Brea Bulldogs at the time. And we had other guys that were playing, uh, you know, all around. And we kind of put a team together, mostly from ICE. And, yeah, we had, had, had some success, I guess, over a couple of I don't think we ever played it. We never played against each other either. It was always like you guys were always one year like ahead of us. So, yeah, it could be. I can't. I mean, yeah. I don't. I can't really call them that. I wasn't a huge fan at the time, knowing names and of everybody. Just recognize them on the rank, you know, seen them. That guy. So I mean, that kind of like <laughs> that kind of <laughs> so goes into our that guy for sure. Hey? <laughs> that goes into our second question, kind of about what teams you guys played as uh, with as a kid and who your coaches were. So you played with the Bulldogs and you played with OC growing up. Yeah. So when like my uh, my first real Norse experience, I believe, was the '98 in Georgia, where it just happened in 2018, the same exact rink, which is pretty cool for me. Like 20 years pretty later, cool. going back to the same rink. Right, where I got it started, basically. And it was with a team called the Inland Valley Grizzlies out of Lake Elsinore, basically where, like, the Labeda uh, factory is now. 
so it's kind of it's kind of interesting how everything kind of com- comes back full circle right and that's pretty sick and once that experience was over um my dad and i we wanted to push it a little bit harder and at the time and uh the gibos were running uh the hb rink and the the oc blades uh, organization basically and we had heard from many people that they have just the most like brutal tryouts ever man like you hear stories about kids throwing up at these tryouts because all you do is bag skate and they just wanted the kids that could last the longest. Yeah, man, it was intense, dude. Seriously, like no joke. These guys were like hardcore and, and it showed like their teams were always super good when I was growing up and I always wanted to be a part of the, of the OC blades. That's like Kenny Gibo, right? Yeah. Well, he was, he was the youngest, but they had Jared who was an 86 Nathan's here. And then they had Jonathan who was a 88. Okay. So they had they had three kids that were all within two years of each other, and I think they even had an older one. Jared was the oldest. Your age, yeah, yeah, and they were they were just phenomenal players. Yeah, they were studs. They were studs when we were growing up for sure. We all we all knew to watch out for watch out for those guys when they were on the rink playing OC. Definitely. Uh, It was I was playing out of San Diego for for a number of years, and then. Probably my first, like, Narch experience, it was, like, 96. It was in Chicago, and I was playing on a team from San Diego. And, uh, I mean, that was just a wild experience, just being able to travel for roller hockey outside of California because growing up, we played a bunch of roller. We had, like, tournaments that would coincide with ice. So a lot of times we'd be going early morning for an ice game and then throw on the, uh, you know, blade covers, run out to the car in full gear still. And we'd be heading over to to the roller rink playing uh, playing a you know six pack tournament or a coho cup or something and and yeah so it was was a lot of that. Those were the days, man, for sure. Oh yeah, (laughs) those were the best days. Coho cup, six pack, wow. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Top uh, Pacific Cup. Pacific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. man. Yeah, there was tons. I remember them all. Um, So, did you guys? uh, What were you guys' home rink then when you guys were growing up? Like for me, it was probably uh, first like La Mesa, La Mesa like Sportsplex thing as it was called. But then uh, it kind of grew to be more like Anaheim Hockey Club. It was, uh, it was like a two rink facility that uh, I don't know. If, uh, like we when we had the AMB '86 team, we were playing on that. Sorry to interrupt. This is one of the best rinks by far that I've ever played in a roller too, because you had two like Anaheim. Yeah, the, the Anaheim rink was was a beauty rink, man. They had two great sheets perfect sport court but then in the middle of the two you had this area where the fans could walk upstairs and they could view both rings from up top yeah i, I remember I playing like a winter nationals aau there yeah that that rink was sick i, was I love that man yeah, yeah and and i was very bummed i don't remember how many years ago hearing that like they closed it yeah they closed it down i mean you know Everything comes to an end eventually, right? Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I, no, I exactly remember that rink now. That rink was sick. Um, well, uh, let's get into some other stuff. PJ, when did you realize you had this, like, unreal talent in some announcing and getting on the mic, dude? The voice. When did the voice become the voice? Oh, so I think it all started, actually, um, when I was in uh, college. I was at Western Michigan playing uh, for their hockey team there. And uh, with O'Kane, right? With uh, with Kyle O'Kane and a couple Kyle other guys, uh, Jerry Jerry Coon also. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's nice. Right. Yeah, man. We had a at the time uh, a lot of roller players were were going to Western. It was cool. And yeah, Novak went there too. Yeah, Novak went there after us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. So 
Um, I just remember, uh, I just, I, we had to stick around for the summer. We had to do one segment of the summer, either uh, first session or second session. You're there for like, you know, a couple months doing summer school and training with the team. And I was looking uh, to, you know, get a, get a little bit more money in my pocket, man, to be honest with you. And I was trying to just help out with, with these roller tournaments in the summer because I was sticking around either way. And tours, a lot of their tournaments were at the Taylor Sportsplex, which we do, we still go to now, right? It's a great facility for exactly what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one tournament, I don't even know how it started, but basically I got to give credit where credit is due. And Phil Maroon basically shoved a microphone in my face. <laughs> That's not even lying, man. he literally shoved the microphone in my face because they didn't have anybody doing it for tours at the time i was just doing the scorekeeping and he shoved it in my face and i just kind of went with it man and like I, I don't even know when i realized it and like he was telling me that i was doing pretty good and like Your it passion. just it, it, it turned into obviously a passion of mine which i still enjoy today but um it eventually got to the point where where I started working with State Wars, I wanted to be involved with what I thought was going to be the best tournament moving forward. And and then Timmy, for some, you know, one chance, took a chance on me, I guess, and decided that he's like, hey, we're going to have you be be the guy that does the announcing for our tournament. Be the voice. Be the voice, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> and it's cool, man. Like, it's something that, you know, it's very special, and, and, and I'm very passionate about it, and I, I really enjoy doing it, man. Like, I love doing the announcing and the, the player awards presentations for all the kids, and, like, it just gets everybody, like, really involved in the sport, man. And, like, when you're there in the moment, the light show and, and the awards, and it's all super cool what Timmy and Greg put on, and, and I'm just very lucky to be a part of it. But, like, just all of that is, for me, it's been – I think 10 years now at State Wars, man. This will be my 10th year doing it. Yeah, that's sick. Because seriously, man, just like you said, like it's almost not State Wars if you're not walking around and at some point like you are here in like the the team playoff presentation going on and the awards and like hearing you do that, like – it's part of the state wars atmosphere. And so I, I think like you, you and George Brown, I think you guys do an incredible job of um, like, it's almost like brand recognition, you know, George with tours, you with state wars that like when you're at these tournaments and you're walking around, it's like, man, if I don't hear peach, like some, where's he at, you know, something's going on, but like, it's, it's, it's comforting. And it's very like, it's a very roller thing walking around the rink and hearing you, on the mic. I, I love it. So it's awesome. I can't believe Phil Maroon is the one who got you started. That's amazing. I didn't even know that either. So that's Yeah, dude, it was just super random where they just needed some help. Like they wanted players, they wanted the scorekeepers to just announce uh, goals and assists. And it was very simple. Like, and a lot of the people that were doing it, they were very like, obviously shy and nervous and they didn't want to put a microphone in their face. And I just kind of went with it. And, and with my personality, I suppose like, put a, put a mic in my, in my face. I'm going to be as positive <laughs> as possible, man. And, and just trying and put on the best show that, that, that roller hockey has. And Absolutely. It's kind of turned into this point now where, you know, I'm very lucky to be part of state wars and, and I hope to continue for, for the future too. So we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens, man, but I appreciate your, your kind of, Oh man, that's, it's awesome. I love hearing you on the mic. So keep yeah. it up. I mean, look at even even for example, like look at Nick Ismondi right now. Like, what did he used to do before, Gizmo. right? Yeah, yeah and Gizmo. he was always Gizmo. the guy that I looked, he was always the guy that I looked up to, right? Like, yeah, he, he's he's doing so well for well, yeah. Look at your look at your sweatshirt, right? Yeah. Champions of uh, of uh, NHL Chicago, right? Like, he's yeah. doing his thing, man, and, and like that's 
it just goes a long way, man. He, he does things so well and he's always been such a good guy. And he was the guy that I looked up to with regard to that, that part of it. Right. Yeah. Where, where he just so well-spoken, so kind. And like, yeah, as a professional element to the game too. And you have, yeah, a guy on the absolutely. Gizmo's the man. Yeah. I love sure. Gizmo. It's cool that he does the Hawks. I get to see him when I get to watch some Hawks games. So yeah, do appreciate exactly. that. What uh? What yeah. do we got for these fillers? Um, I got I got a little tidbit to add there on that too. Um, when we're talking about the voice and we got him here. <laughs> uh, so last year I was playing here in Villanova, and uh, and this is our like first year. Most of us uh, on the team coming together, kind of randomly, all played against each other out here in Europe. And uh, me and PJ, had been, he was playing in Paris, uh, Paris, you know, Paris Tres at the time. So we're both here. We were both on a different team in Paris, but we hung out quite a bit. Yeah, and we asked him. We asked him. We we're out one night uh, after a game, met at a bar, and we asked him like, "Hey, uh, what do you think about maybe uh, doing the voice for uh, for the French Cup?" And it's kind of a big event out here, obviously in France, and so you know, like quite a few people show up, so we might as well have a voice to go with it, you know. And and obviously, got him. Got him thinking about it a little bit, and it became a little bit of a kind of like superstition almost for our team to have them have them do it because we ended up lucky enough we ended up winning the french cup last year that was and sick to watch. Well, yeah it was, it was pretty wild uh well experience for sure for a french cup and then we go into playoffs and uh unfortunately their team was was out of it but we were obviously thinking if you know if they're out of it maybe try and get them for you know for our playoff games and so sure enough, but, yeah, sure enough, we go we go to the final and first home game, and he puts on a show. Like we have a small rink with maybe top like two hundred fans, maybe fit in this place. And this guy is just electrifying everybody. You know, got it going for sure. And uh, you know, we end up winning that game, or we end up losing that game, unfortunately. But. We ended up going uh, going on the road though, and then stealing two away at a at a Rattel that that uh, last year to to pull off the win. So I mean, despite losing that game at home, I mean, we still we still think he was a little bit of part of that uh, that whole run, you know. And that was were you doing that all in French too? I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> yeah. So for the numbers and stuff and the names, you got to do the best that you can, man. And yeah, I did all the numbers in French, and I did it like a like a French person would, yeah. That's amazing. I remember That's unreal. there was one, one night in this in Barcelona, I was like, do you speak French? And he just like ripped something out real quick. And I was like, all right, that answers that. <laughs> you've lived there for so long that, I mean, you've almost at this point had to have learned a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's, it's cool. Cause like going back to state wars, when the, when the French teams, yeah. When the French teams come out too, like I do the exact same thing for them too. Cause they have, That's, they bring their, all the teams that are involved in the, the French program, they all come to watch the final games, right? So mm-hmm. I make sure that I you – know, you want to put on a show, man. It's a, it's a business, and you want to make sure that the, the product is good, right? So yeah. I'm doing the numbers in French for all the French teams that, that come out and, and are in championship games. And it's, I think they enjoy it, and I think that they continue to come back because of the product is, is just continually getting better from State Wars. Absolutely. Um, kind of talking about the French Cup, what is uh, – can you explain to that for some of the people that might not know what that is? What's the difference between that and the League U Elite Championship? Because it's the same teams, correct? Yeah. So, uh, basically, the French Cup is a uh, one-game elimination uh, basically each month. So the elite teams start in December, 
And you can play National 1, National 2, National 3, depending on the teams that continue to win these before. Are, yeah, before. these are all lower teams of the, of the, that are in the French League. These are all teams that are, you know, in the, in the ranks below that all have an opportunity to win the French Cup. And so um, they usually, like, some of the lower teams that are in lower uh, divisions, I guess, they, they would, they'll battle it out for, uh, I think, two rounds before starting to play elite elite level teams and then it's a yeah it's a it's a season long like event basically and like you said it's just single elimination until you end up arriving to uh to the final yeah it's one it's basically one game per month and and so moving forward for us there's one more game for there's eight remaining teams i think there's five elite and there's three and one teams and it happens in two weeks and we actually have the challenge of playing Grenoble, which is Shane Fox's team. Okay. Is he coming back for that? He will be yeah. back for that yeah. for sure. Okay. So that, so, so they have uh, that championship and the elite league has nothing to do with each other. It's just kind of like a separate thing that the French yeah. Federation puts on. Yeah, exactly. Cool. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. The league, the league is the league. So you have your standings and like you, like you guys post basically yeah. each week. And then you have your playoff rounds, um, two games, quarters, semis, and finals. You have to win two of three, but the French Cup is irrelevant to the rest of it. Makes sense. Okay. It's pretty cool, though. They yeah. kind of have, like, two things going on at once, and you have two championships basically to win in one season. Yeah, it's very it's very soccer uh, out here. They call it football, very soccer style. Like, they have the same thing out here where all the, like, the elite leagues of Europe, they have, you know, they, they play each other. In the same thing, it's called the Champions League, and they do the same style where they they battle it out for for something completely relevant to their own national leagues. It's pretty sick. Yeah, <laughs> it's similar. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah, no, it, it is. is. It definitely. So, is. I mean, talking about the uh, about the Elite League, how long have you guys been out there playing? When did you guys first go out there? Uh, me, I started in 2011. Okay. We. Uh, I went out one year. I got a message from uh, from a guy out in Spain. Uh, his name is uh, Angel, and uh, it was from a team in Valladolid, Spain. And uh, messaged me on uh, Facebook randomly and just invited me out, talked to me, negotiated a little bit, and uh, ended up uh, having having a couple of American guys as well, like Eton Chavira and uh, Danny Joyner. They were going out as well. So the DR. The DR, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was a, yeah. So that was a that was a cool experience to share with those guys too for my first year out out in Europe. We can do it maybe a little more if you want. But. For me, um, I actually got my opportunity from uh, Tyler Walzer. So he was out. Yeah, he was out in uh, for this team Perry Trez um, a year before I came out, and he was helping the team. Remain in the elite because if you are a bottom, uh, if you're in the bottom of the of the division, then you potentially can move down to the national one level, like just like football, like a relegation like, game. Like Stiggy was saying, yeah, relegation game. But it's called yeah. a play down game. Yeah. So he was he was out here for half the year from January until basically May to help the team remain in elite, and he did that. He did a great job, scored a you know ton of goals for the team to help them stay here, and then the following season asked me to come out and basically be the defenseman to his offensive player. Nice. And I uh, worked out uh, better than I could have ever imagined. Uh, we ended up 
having a tough start to the season, but we ended up actually winning the French uh, championship at the end of the year, which is super cool. It's the only time that I've done that. And uh, for me, it was a great experience and a great start to my European like career, I guess. That's pretty sick. Did you guys, um, what, so did you start in Spain then, uh, Siggy? Yeah. Yeah. I I played, I played three years straight there in Valladolid. Um, and then, uh, or four years straight actually, and then headed over to, uh, play in France for a year in Rattel. End up going, and then playing in Paris with PJ the year after, so I was 16. Back to Spain and then, uh, then back, back here to France. Nice. Uh, yeah. What, I guess like, so going between, you know, France and Spain, like what's, what's a big difference like in the two leagues? Um, I mean, to be quite honest, actually, there isn't, there isn't a whole lot of difference. It kind of, uh, you know, the strength of the league kind of depends on the movement of the international players that, that come and play. So, you know, give or take every year, you know, you got, you know, there's obviously a lot of Czech players out here. I don't know if you guys seen the rankings with the, you know, with the stat lists there here in France, obviously they're, they're stacked up, you know, with a bunch of Czech, Czech guys that are obviously like super talented, you know, and roller. And, you know, and then there's, there's, you know, in Spain, they get the same thing when, uh, when we get a bunch of American guys coming over there with a few Czech guys as well. And, and obviously like, you know, the, a lot of international players come out from Canada or, you know, Sweden and Finland so, you know, it, it kind of depends a lot on this, on the shift, but truthfully, like uh, between Spanish and French players, they're, they're all, they're all skilled players. They can all skate well. I think that's one thing uh, we can, we can both agree on. I think that uh, they're all good skaters. You know, they, most of them play a lot of soccer growing up and so they can, you know, they can run, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Endurance. Yeah. Well, speaking of, oh, go ahead, Peach. I was just going to say it's cool, too, because up, coming up in April, there was actually uh, a tournament called the European Cup where the Spanish teams get to compete against the French teams in, I guess, what's called, you know, what most people consider, like, one of the best tournaments in Europe. That's sick. So that is the – I remember kind of covering it last year because did uh, – was it the Spain team that won it last year? No, so Garge won it last year, the team oh, in France. That's what it was. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, Garge won it, and um, it was – I don't even know. It was in Asiago, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it was in Italy last year. So do you have to be invited to get into that tournament, or how does how do the teams get selected into the European? It's a little bit of both, actually. So usually the team who wins their national league of the, of the previous year, they have an automatic bid into the European Cup. Mm-hmm. And um, – and there's, I mean, there's like, uh, they have elite leagues going on, you know, in, uh, in the UK as well, in the United Kingdom and, and Czech and, and Brussels, Germany, yeah. you know, and so, and so if they, you know, if they, if they take the, take the bid and they, and they go, then, then they're in. And if, if a team decides, you know, maybe financially or economically, they can't pull it off, um, the European cup, the European league, they, they can invite the second place team of, of the other leagues to, to be invited to the tournament as well. So that's usually how, how they, uh, yeah, how they put together the the tournament. Yeah. So because Villeneuve won the French cup and the championship last year, the team is automatically qualified to compete this year in April. And the tournament is going to be held in Switzerland actually, which is going to be pretty cool. Actually. I heard the ring's going to be phenomenal. Like it's going to be, 
you know, a lot of the rinks out here, they don't have like the plexiglass around the boards or, you know, maybe you have like a square rink. Like you, Kev, you saw this summer in Barcelona, like that was a pretty good rink. Yeah. That we played on. It was pretty good, but a lot of the rinks are not like that. Right. So you got to kind of adapt to, to the situation. But this, but this rink where we're playing at is an Olympic sheet. So, and they got plexi all around. So it's going to be the one, the one in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be an awesome facility to host a European. That, that's year. one place I really want to go. So just hearing that, it's like, damn. What are your guys' uh, – how do you guys think you guys are going to do going into that? Obviously, you guys are going to win, but what are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> I mean, uh, we're, we're, watching, uh, we're watching the other leagues as well, you know, watching some games they have online, which is awesome that they post uh, post games on uh, on YouTube. And different, different teams have, like, their own pages. So we try and, you know, try and keep up and, and see how teams are doing and – Obviously, we you know we hope hope for the best and really actually just hope for hope for some good games, you know. Because <laughs> I think that you know one thing that we don't get so much in the U.S. that we kind of have to fight a little bit out here in Europe is uh, is the refereeing. The officiating of the game is is a lot different because a lot of the refs out here they're they're you know this is very very soccer uh, like mentality of, of sport because it's the dominating sport of, of most countries all over the world. And so not a whole lot of referees really understand the game well. So it's always kind of a little bit of an adjustment, especially for American players coming out here in Europe that they always have to, you know, recognize maybe play a little soft, uh, you know, not so, not so hard nose on, on, on pucks so much you know, per se. And, and you know, it affects the game, obviously. And so, you know, when we when we go to these like European Cups, we're going to have uh, you know different referees from different countries, and and we're going to have to make you know some adaptations, I guess, to, to our playing style, you know, based on that. So, but it should be fun. Obviously, it's, it should be a cool experience, regardless. Well, you guys kind of touched on it just a second ago. You guys have a Czech teammate, Martin Fiala. Tell us about him a little bit. Well, we got we got two Czech guys. We got a Czech goalie as well, Joseph Karlik. But oh, that's, uh, oh yeah, duh. Yeah, but uh, about Martin, Martin's a great guy. You know, he's he's a, a prolific goal scorer for sure. I think that probably one of the better goal scorers and uh, you know, in roller to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, you know? I, I I haven't seen a guy that can score the goal uh, score the puck the way that this guy can. Man, it's it's, it's kind of incredible actually. <laughs> it makes our game a lot easier. You know, like. Me and PJ were joking about it last night. That uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, just gotta just feed him the puck and watch, and the guy just goes down and he just finds a way to put it, you know, put the puck in a you know, four-inch base of the net, and you know, he's maybe even you know a foot behind the goal line, and he still pulls it off. You know? Yeah, no, so it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty fun to play with the guy for sure. Yeah, watching him on uh, the videos that Lionel posts and watching him last year at the uh, World Roller Games online, he just, like you said, he can put that puck anywhere, wherever he wants sometimes. Lionel from FMT? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a man. Yeah, he's got some, he has some great feet. He was telling us, we did. We recently did a, that, that video with yeah. you guys, and he was, uh, he was boasting, boasting a little bit about this new camera he just picked up, and this thing is – you know, high, high duty, heavy duty, high quality camera. He was loving it, man. He was all about it, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So he, as soon as he got that thing, he's on, 
right away on the phone, you know, like, hey, what are you guys, what are you guys doing next week? <laughs> you know? I shoot a video. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. He's, it's cool though to see guys like that that are so passionate, you know, like. Yeah. Does he, he live near you guys? Yeah, relatively close. Yeah, okay. he lives outside of Paris. Yeah, not too far. So it's pretty easy to meet up when, we, when our schedules, uh, you know, can align all right. And, you know, to do videos together, it's, you know, it's pretty easy actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as you guys have played Team USA this past summer in Barcelona, um, you guys want to kind of – you guys got – we have three Team USA gold medal winners here. You guys want to touch on anything in Barcelona or talk about any stories or how was your guys' experience out there? Man, uh, for me personally, it was – probably one of the best tournaments overall that I was a part of with regard to the roster that we had, the coaching staff, uh, the accommodations that were taken care of for us. Location. The location was beautiful. Yeah. Being able to just hop on skates and just roll down to the beach or the rink whenever we wanted to was a treat. A walk even. Or anything, man. It was just so convenient and – to have a, a world championship in that location is, is hard to beat, in my opinion. And on top of it, you know, obviously coming out on top and, and winning gold is, is something that I think we're all going to remember. And it's, it's, it's going to be hard to top it, man. Like, it's, it was a really, really fun experience. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I think, uh, you know, just the way they had the tournament set up that, you know, you're just playing one game a day and, you know, you got the whole morning, you know, you wake up every morning, it's <clears throat> clear blue skies, you know, and got the beach right there and the boys are, you know, going to play volleyball. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to the, going to the beach, play a little volleyball, get yeah. the day going, you know, and I know Dwyer and Cheney are probably, you know, enjoying the AC in the room and relaxing <laughs> a little bit. We didn't see them a whole lot on the, on the court, but you know, you guys are, you guys are a different breed and you know, you guys got to take, you guys got to take care of yourselves and make sure. Cause obviously the heat in the rink was something to be said. Oh about, man. Right? I want to, I wanted to ask you about that, Kev. Cause that's got to, that had to have been brutal. So it's funny. Cause, uh, I mean, you guys were in Indiana obviously. And like, were, were your teammates like, God, it's, it's so hot in here. And like complaining about the heat. <laughs> I just looked at my guys. And I'm like, this is this is nothing. This actually feels good. I'm quite comfortable because, <laughs> man, yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty uh, pretty rude awakening that first practice at 9 a.m. when the sun's hitting the building. So um, it was definitely pretty hot. But like you guys said, like to get done playing hockey and to walk up a ramp and like you're just looking at the ocean. You're just like, holy cow, man, this is actually happening and we're we're playing on a beach for a world championship so pretty not just just any beach either hey a nude beach yeah Uh (laughs) hey hey that stuff was going on for sure yeah i took a little advantage of that yeah for sure (laughs) wasn't bad not a bad combination to have a little roller hockey rink with a bar outside plus a titty beach outside that's perfect (laughs) i mean that's a roller dream right there Dude, it was it was beautiful, man. Oh yeah, it was the best. Wake up in the morning, go play a little, little beach volleyball, catch a sweat, drop the <laughs> drop the shorts, you know, go buck and <laughs> the water, you know. Talk about feeling free, you know. Only only from the chief. Only Sigmund. I love only it. the wiggle Mr. Wigglesworth. PJ, what day was it 
was it like the second night, I think, or the first night all the boys were in town that the uh, the phone got misplaced? Yeah, man. So this is a this is a tough story uh, for me, for sure. I need to tell it though. I think um, so. Back uh, backtracking a little bit, I had lost my phone in Paris probably a month before that, and I um, my parents came out for for my wedding actually. Um, got married out in Paris on uh, June twentieth, which is cool. Shout out to my wife Claire. Congratulations! Thank you, buddy. And um, so they brought me a new phone, which is great. Um, so I'm super pumped. I got this brand new phone, and uh, we get to Barcelona. And you know that first night, you, you guys explained on the. I think you explained earlier on the pod on one of the earlier ones that the the whole uh, opening ceremony is debacle. How the bus didn't come, and we're all just standing there, like you know, with our thumbs up our butts, and we don't know what's going on, and you know, whatever, right? So we're trying to figure out something to do. Well, we end up having a pretty good night, I would I would say, and had to head to a bar that's you know like next door. And if that didn't okay. set the tone, I don't know what did. Hundred percent, I totally agree with you. And you know, like we had a great first night together. I would say all the boys, absolutely. And and you know, <laughs> if. if if we could do things a little bit different the next morning, of course, we probably would have, you know, like I'm going to be honest with you for the people listening and whatever, like, you know, a couple of the guys, we, we were a little late for the bus in the morning and that happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people weren't too happy and I uh, chalk it up to, you know, building some team chemistry, team yeah. chemistry for sure. And you know, what? I'll, Hey, I'm not afraid to admit it, but either way, I, I totally forgot about that. So yeah, th- that was another part of it too. Right. They like, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. Yeah, that was a rough morning. Rough morning, and uh, and we had practice, and and you know everything went well after that. But but so this phone situation, I that night uh, I thought I mis- misplaced it somewhere, and and I was scrambling for a couple of days trying to find this thing because I just got it, and I was so excited to have it, and then it was gone, just disappears, disappears for sure. So goes some legs, walks away. Yeah. How how long how long was it? You think a couple of days? Well, it was. I, th- actually, I think it, it was like a night. Or maybe two. I feel like no, no, it, it was a day until the day of playoffs, until we went to you know the. I don't think it was that long. I think it was probably. I think you said no, Kev two I, or three days max. No, no, I remember it very clearly because uh, <laughs> we were having a we were having a pregame nap on the very first uh, playoff game. Me, Siggy, and Foxy are roommates at the time. Yeah, and me and Foxy are out cold, you know, and you know we have the, shut, the shutters are off, you know, and, and out of nowhere, this guy just. Blows up, screams, he screams like, "Oh my god!" Like this, and me and Fox are like, "What the fuck is there a fire?" You know, like, <laughs> you know, we're freaked out, and you know, sure enough, he just points, and above my bed, there's like a picture frame, and there's his phone just leaning on the picture frame, as though it's like, you know, it was like meant to be like taking like a video or a picture or something like <laughs> yeah. that going on. We were, you know, that first night that we were there, we probably had you know a few laughs after after the restaurant. PJ was so upset with himself. So it was just oh, sitting on top of a ledge. <laughs> Talk about it. Man, on top of this painting that was hanging in the middle of the room <laughs> and in the most random spot that you'll ever imagine. That's <laughs> unreal. It's and just my- sitting there and I scream, like Siggy said, at the top of my lungs, and I was so happy that I found this thing. <laughs> the excitement out of his voice. Really and after sure. after I found it, I said, All right, we're we're fucking winning this tournament, man. I know it for sure now. Like things are things are going to be perfect from oh, here yeah. on out. And this was actually after it was the day after we had lost a check in the round robin. Nice. Yeah, it must have been. yeah. 
So I remember because we were, you know, obviously we didn't want to lose that game, but we knew that we were still in a good position to, to win the gold medal for sure. And ever since, once I, once I found that phone, I was like, all right, this is it. The boys. Yeah. Pistol's back. <laughs> Pistol's, yeah, back. Pistol's back. That was, <laughs> yeah. For like two days, he was like, dude, I'm so like, he was just so distraught with himself. And then the I next time I see him, he's got a huge know, smile on and he's ready to get on the bus. I'm like, what? And he's like, I found my phone. Me and Shavo, we took a lap around the hotel, like looking for this phone, you know, and <laughs> it was it was an all out like it was a search party like like the boys were looking the boys. like all over <laughs> and it ended up just being in the room. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah. That's uh yeah. sounds like I mean sounds one like a fun the, trip. One of those nights. <laughs> for sure. Did you guys uh any other good stories from the Barcelona trip? Well, you uh, oh, you wanted you wanted to clear things up, didn't you, Sig? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, I guess. Because I was, was a little too about the call out. You know, little, but, little uh, forgetful, but, little forgetful like on what happened. Yeah, I should clear the air a little bit on this one. I so, um, well, truth be told, I I did I did leave you hanging on the you know the bus stop there. Not gonna lie, so you got me on that one, but it was for a good cause. <laughs> and here's why. Here's why. So, uh, you know, Trav, uh, Trav and Jr. They uh, they were doing a little recon, looking for a bar to for the boys to hang out together, have a beer, and uh, kind of they stopped at this bar a little bit down the street from uh, from the hotel, and uh, I caught wind of it, so I uh, went over there to check it out, and. And so the, you know, I'm, I'm seeing these guys are having a beer and they're arguing with the, with the bartender, the owner. And, you know, and, and there's a little bit of uh, lost translation there for a little bit. So, you know, I was, I was talking to the guy and it came to be the problem was, is that, you know, Trav was for sure. He gave this guy a hundred Euro bill and here in, here in Europe, the euros are color coordinated. So each each like each increment of, of the euro has a, like a different color of the of the bill, and so um, he and Trav was like, I just gave this guy a hundred euro bill, hundred percent for sure. Like and and I, and the and it happened to be that he had to put the bill in a machine to get change back. You know, this is just like for whatever reason the bar just doesn't allow the bartenders to handle the money; they just serve the beers, and so. You know, Travis is like, hey, I got, I got shorted here in the cash. You know, can you talk to this guy? So I talked to the guy, and uh, and the guy is telling me, he pulls up on the computer, like there's no no transaction that a 100-euro bill was put in the machine. And so I was like, well, can you open the thing? You know, can we, can we have a look? If there's not even a single 100-euro bill, maybe there's one, and then maybe it's probably his, right? So yeah. the guy was like, <laughs> no, you know. It's all in Espanol, mind you. This is this was our translator. Yeah, super, super fluent man. He's it's, he was awesome the whole trip. Unreal. I was I was so shocked like sitting down with him and but yes. Well, I, well, anyways, I mean, yeah, I can get by in, in Spanish a little bit. So talking to the guy and uh, he's telling me like, nope, I I can't open the I can't open the machine. You know, sorry, you know. I was like, well. uh, well, this guy's saying that he for sure 100% put a 100-euro bill in the machine. You're saying no way. So how will we make a deal? How about this? If 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 you open the machine and there's no 100-euro bill in there, 
you keep the change, they paid for their beers, that's it, it's done, you know? And we pay for, um, we pay for another round of beers, you know, to show a good faith, you know what I mean? And if you open this machine, as a 100 euro bill, you hand them that 100 euro bill and we're clean and walk away. <laughs> like this, and he's like, all right, well, you know, if you guys wanna pay another round, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a 100 euro bill in here. It's like, we have a deal. So he said, he agrees. I talked to Trav. I'm like, hey, man, are you sure there's a 100-year bill in there, man? You know, <laughs> it looks just like this one. Otherwise, I got to fork out some coin here for another round, you know? <laughs> like, he's like, man, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure there's definitely. I was like, ah, that's a gamble. You know, I walk over there. I say, you know, hey, we got a deal. Let's see it. So this goes in, grabs the key, comes back, opens up the machine, and there's like a, there's like a tray that has all the bills in it. And this guy has a stack of these bills like this, puts it on the bar and just spreads it out like poker cards on, you know, on the table. And sure enough, there's just 100 euro bill in the whole pile. And guys like, well, I don't know what's wrong with the machine, but here you go, you know? So handed Trav back the 100 euros and walked away with, you know, clean on the, on the drinks and, and and a hundred hundred euros richer on that. So, to so that was the issue about leaving you hanging. I ended up, you know, having to help help the boys get out of a jam there for a little bit. So, hope you don't get too offended that. Uh, like I said, I was uh, I was a little forgetful in what had happened after I think the next morning that story had gotten told. So, <laughs> all cleared now, though. All right, we're good, yeah. right? Siggy, just doing Siggy things, man. Siggy doing Siggy things. We, the night we were at Razzmatazz, too, my brother showed up, like, kind of late, and we ran into Sigmund, and we went up to, like, that second or third floor, and he's just, like, he turns and looks at us, he's like, I'll be right back, I'm going to the bathroom. And the bartender wouldn't serve me and Frank, you know, like, he was taking forever, and I just kept looking at him like, I've been standing here forever, and I don't know, a whole American stigma. And Sigmund, like, never came back, and Frank's like, Yo, should we oh, wait for him? And I'm like, no. Unless I go. Oh, nice. I'm like, no, Sigmund is totally fine, dude. Like, Give it to him, Kev. <laughs> Give it to him. It was it was just funny because my brother was like, yo, like, and I'm like, no, Siggy's like, this is 15, 20 minutes. Like, he's in Siggy territory. It's all right. He's like, in- he's going to be okay regardless of, of where he's at because he's chief. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Houdini, and sometimes the other guy just disappears. I'm sorry. Where did you, uh, where did you get these nicknames from? Uh, what is it, Mr. Wigglesworth and uh, Chief? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a circulating oh. thing with the snipers, I think. Uh, he has a couple nicknames, but for sure what Kev said in the intro, the most interesting man in the world. I think, I think that was coined by uh, – Stephen Campbell. I was going to say Stephen Campbell. Yes, for sure, 100%. <laughs> I'm not going to – that well, probably is – that is true. I remember uh, – I'm a 91, so just going to tournaments, we'd always be like, oh, getting to watch an Arch Pro, it's so sick. Who's on whose team? And uh, I think it was – maybe we were talking Casey or something, Oscar Sega that said it or something. And I was like – he's like, oh, Siggy's coming back. And I was like – who who's that? And he's like, dude, he's he's sick. Just wait. And it was like an I don't know, like an urban legend or myth. You'd come back from Europe, just, just kill it, and then disappear. And it was I don't know, it was sick. <laughs> that's that's the style. I got I got a funny story about uh, Stephen Campbell that we brought him up uh, for that for the coin. Um, so this is like 2010, 
and um, we're we're playing Team USA Double uh, IHF, and we're in Sweden, we're in Karlstad, Sweden, and uh, and great team, They're probably the best team I've ever played on, by the way, and ten uh, year reunion coming up, which is pretty awesome. And anyway, so uh, we win the, we win the whole tournament, we get the gold, and um, we're having a, we're having a celebration. Uh, out in the town, it's not a very big town, so all the bars are in like the main square of the of the town, and and I'm kind of just mingling, walking through, and checking on all the guys. And sure enough, I see I see Stephen Campbell. He's wearing this robe, like a a red a black oh sorry, uh, red white and blue robe. Nothing nothing else on. Nothing else on. Just this robe at the bar. And he's and he's wheeling these two bombs, <laughs> these two blonde bombs uh, at the bar, and I, I just give it a I just give it a pass, and I just look at him, and just just a smirk from his face. He's just like, you know, so happy, just giving a nod, like yeah, no, this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is happening right now. <laughs> and oh yeah, I walk over, I see uh, Sean Garsh over there, he, and he's seeing this whole thing too, and we was we just have a laugh at it, little cheers, <laughs> like wow. Talk about a celebration, you know. Holy cow. Is that uh that team, is that the one that Pat Maroon was on? Yeah. Yeah, we were we were pretty stacked up. Obviously like Big Pat, he he just dominated the tournament quite honestly. Every time he was on the rink, when he had the puck on his stick, it was a it was a scoring chance at the least, you know, every time at the net. And you know, like uh we had like three lines that were rolling the whole time. And, and honestly, like the chemistry from this tournament was like, is hard, hard to compare, you know, like we, in Barcelona, we had an unreal team with the chemistry and everything and everyone, we all played against each other, known each other. And most guys, like we said in the video that we, uh, that we talked about a little bit, just everybody kind of has some experience playing overseas at some point and, you know, made it made it that much easier for the guys to gel, you know, but this team in, in, in Sweden was, you know, we, we were gelling, we were gelling, uh, on the rink and off the rink, you know, we had this cool setup where if you had some picture ID, you could, uh, you can get a, a, a bike from the city just as a collateral. You just leave the ID there. I had like my, my old college ID that was from like, you know, five years or a year or two before that and just left the ID there and we just had these bikes we were cruising around all over the city with these things going you know going to see the city with the boys together and enjoying the weather and cruising to the rink for a little warm-up like before like pre-game skates and you know it was just a lot of great memories from that trip for sure you guys um uh, I mean you guys basically have been around the world playing uh roller hockey and been to so many different venues what is one of the coolest places one of the coolest places you guys have been to play roller hockey at if we're gonna talk like uh usa for sure for me it's it's always been Irvine. Yeah, cool. we can do usa and any uh for, for me it's always been irvine man the atmosphere at that rink is just it's unquestionable man you can't get anything similar to three rinks all the same size, all the same floor, and outside on top of it. And I grew up basically when they were when it was the Wayne Gretzky Roller Hockey Center. Yeah. And uh, man, uh, that's kind of how like everything kind of like 
got put into perspective for, for me at least is, is, is growing up playing there. And, and then being out here, there's, there's nothing that compares to that style of, of facility. Yeah. Great facility for sure. Open doors. like got three great rinks. Beautiful, man. Like it's, Perfect it's, weather. it's funny because, yeah. uh, a friend of, uh, a buddy, uh, Matt Koleski, who coaches the, the border cats, he worked for state war. He, he sometimes works for state wars in the past. And we did a winter nationals event, a winter wars event where Timmy has to put teams at uh, Irvine as well. Cause there's so many teams that come. Yeah. And Matt, Matt one day was working. It was the first time that he'd ever been to the Irvine rink. And he was working the entire day at this rink. He was being the tournament director at this rink. And he comes back and he sees me and he goes, this is exactly how I imagine this room to be. He's, he was so in love with it. He's like, dude, this is literally like paradise for roller hockey players. And, and for me, I've always felt that, man. It's, it's a great setup. It's obviously tough without the showers. But, man, regardless, the rinks are – are uh, we're dirty we're hockey players i know i, I they're, they're they're just great though in my opinion <laughs> you get by for sure but i mean i think it's it's awesome for sure like uh to be able to just you know after a game you just skate around go across the go across the ring to see who else is playing and you just you know you're catching hockey all day you're there all day all weekend yeah you know and it's the you know the breeze is flowing through Got the little yeah, pavilion to air the gear out and stuff. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's perfect. Yeah, you throw it out in the sun, you know. They got the cover overhead in case it rains one day or something like that, which is pretty rare. But you know, and then you're there all night. You're catching a sunset down. I don't know what is that? Like there's like a reservoir or something right next to the rink. Yeah, exactly. And you're just catching a sunset, looking out. It's like, man, pretty pretty cool spot to have a have a roller tournament for sure. Hard to beat that in the USA. Um, I would say though, in Europe, man, there's there's for me, there's better rinks in Spain compared to France. Um, I've only personally only played uh, for teams in France. Uh, Siggy would know more about the rinks in Spain, but I've also played on uh, a few rinks in Spain. And the top two for me would be Bilbao and Valladolid. They're both olympic size sheets would you say yeah they're pretty close to if not. pretty close to olympic yeah. sheets wow great sport court great boards uh plexiglass all the way around and i remember in my first year with tyler walzer 2012 we had a european cup qualifier in bilbao and we played one french team and two spanish teams we ended up winning that tournament but for me that rink was perfect for the american players because of what we play on our entire lives growing up it's a it's a big setup. You have a lot of room to skate. You have a lot of room to make plays, and it was like the best of both worlds going to Europe and being able to play on on these big rinks out there as well. Yeah, for sure. I think Bilbao is probably the the best rink in, in Europe. Actually, they got the boards and the glass from when I think I can't remember if it was like IHF World Championships or if it was the Olympics uh, for ice hockey Nagano in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's where the boards and glass come from. So oh, wow. that's they're, they're legit. Yeah, they purchased they yeah, they purchased the boards and glass and then installed that in the uh, in the facility. And it's you know it's definitely in my opinion it's the it's the best rig for sure. And like Valdelid is is right behind them. I would yeah. say like they have seen this glass all around. You know Valdelid is is definitely a cool town. I spent a lot of time there in my European career for sure. Just just for the simple fact that you know the great rig. 
great guys. The guys there from Spain are, are awesome. You know, they showed me a great time my first couple of years until I could learn Spanish and, you know, get around and, and meet different people from the city and around Spain. And, you know, I owe them a lot of thanks for sure. And, uh, but the facility there is awesome. Like it's, they have a, you know, they have a gym for the team behind the rink. They have a seating of easily a thousand people. That's sick. Yeah. And they pack that place. Like the, like I would say probably the best, uh, like the best fans like in roller hockey for sure because they I mean to build a to build a fill a thousand seat arena you know it's pretty tough for roller hockey in general and and to be able to do that in Europe is is a uh, you know yeah yeah give yeah give a little bit credit there for sure I got a cool story about Vidola too when I went to go actually watch him play I don't even know if this was like league if this was league or whatever but I went in uh, Vidola and. Uh, I meet up with the uh, the president, Angel, who he mentioned earlier, and this guy just gives me, like, the first-class treatment, man. Like, I come into the rink. It's already jam-packed. He sits me right front row, right behind the penalty boxes, and on, top of, and on top of it, he hands me a CPLV beer that they make at the rink. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I swear. I don't know if they make it at the rink or what the deal is, but they had an actual beer of the team that they were giving me, like, throughout the entire game, man, just to enjoy. They were, you know, watch the game, enjoy the atmosphere. There was, like you mm. said, over a 1,000 people there watching this game. And the this guy, Angel, does a great job of promoting the club and running the, the whole program and just does a fantastic job of, like, growing the game and involving the youth teams. But this elite team is what makes everything kind of turn and, and produce, like, the revenue for the for the city and the club. And, and for me, that was a cool experience. I remember just going and watching, obviously, City dominate and just – you know, it was it was a cool to 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 be treated like a you know like I was in first class basically. Yeah, that's sick. To have a rink like that too, to have that all that amenities, and I mean, to have like a have your own special beer. That's fucking sick. I mean, yeah, they have, they have their own beer, right? I had a CPLV oh, beer. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah that's dude, cool. That is so sick. Yeah, it's incredible how much support they get from uh, from the province in Spain. There, they're they're the only I think they're the only team in that province. So. They get a lot of help, uh, you know, in the as far as like the youth program and everything. They have kids coming from all over, come play there. The, the top kids end up playing in Valladolid for their, you know, for playing like regional and uh, national tournaments and stuff like that. And so they have a really great setup there for sure. I think uh, I imagine that uh, Krogman and and Novak are they're having a great time for definitely. sure. If I know those two, they definitely are. Yeah, for sure. Those guys are good guys. Do you guys? And and I don't know his name exactly because of uh, I mean like different people have co- uh, posted a couple different things. Do you know the guy? Was he the owner or like the coach of the team in France that just passed away? In Rattel? Yeah, yeah. Did you? You would know more about that than me because you played there. Yeah, yeah. He. Um, what a great. I mean, it, it looked what like a, a lot of American before. guys were very like yeah very very. He's done a lot for roller hockey in, in Europe for sure. That's yeah. what um Joey uh Joey Dorn and uh TK were saying they're um, Tyler, uh, everything Crippers. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was his name again? Didier Lefebvre. Okay. Yeah. He uh great ambassador for the sport. He really, you know, I think he was one of the first guys to bring uh, bring some American players out. I know that Eton played played for him, you know, in the past and and so Joey and, and these guys that, uh, you know, the guy, guy pulls strings, uh, 
you know, out of nowhere to bring guys out and just, just, uh, just top shelf, uh, you know, all day. And, uh, one thing I can, you know, I remember like my first year playing there, um, 2015, um, got, you know, got us, uh, you know, work visas, got us set up like right away. This was a process that I think I ended up agreeing to play there in like in August. And the first league game was like October 1st or right around there. And usually getting like a, a European visa is a process. I mean, it's a hassle. it usually takes a while. And but this guy, he just, you know, been doing it for so long, experienced, knows the game and, and knows like what we need. Took care of it. I was, I was in and out of the, you know, the, the, the French consulate in, in LA within like, you know, had, had an appointment in two weeks, was in and out, stamp in my passport, on a flight, ready to go. First thing we do when we arrive, go straight to the doctor's office, get the stamps, get everything, you know, that you're required to, to play. And, you know, like I said, this guy's top shelf and, uh, you know, really sad to, uh, you know, the hockey, hockey community really, really lost a soldier there. Yeah, for sure. It was cool. Cause it, it, this weekend during our, um, or like opening uh, announcements of the players starting in the game. We last did night. like, yeah, last, sorry, last night. Yeah. We did like a moment of silence. I think every team did this for him and it just goes to show you like how, how much he affected people, especially in France, man, like, yeah. like with, uh, with what he did and, and, and he was just a very, very like passionate guy and, and grew the sport in his area. But, but just was like Siggy said, such a great ambassador for the game. For sure, I think uh, it's not so known in in the, in the states about uh, this team from Rattel. Um Maybe a little bit for sure, but out here in Europe, they're regarded as the best team uh, every year. Um, for sure, they're the team to beat. Uh, no matter if you're playing against them in European Cup, if you're coming from another country or or here in France, you know, and they they've you know he's been able to put together teams that I would say would rival some teams that would play in Palma Pro, you know. But honestly, like, yeah. just, uh, I mean, they usually have a lot of Czech guys that play on the national team as well, along with, you know, they had in the past, like, you know, like, like you said, like TK and, you know, and Crips Skyler. and Skyler and, and, you know, with those guys with, you know, all together, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're deadly. you're looking up, you're looking up a mountain trying to fight a war against these guys that, you know, quite honestly, just this guy, DDA, he really just was, uh, just really smart about how he put teams together and, and formed these teams that were really just so competitive. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's awesome that like all, and, and like I said, I could just see it from all the social media that like to some of the guys that live back here now and, and still play, or, you know, I know Skyler and Teeks say they're on their way out, but, uh, you know, for those guys to, you know, po- post something and you could kind of knowing them, like you kind of know that, yeah, that was like kind of very shocking news and very upsetting news. And so I, I appreciate and thank you for kind of enlightening us a little bit about him. Cause I, I didn't know who he was. I'd seen pictures of him before, but I, obviously, you know, never having played over there. I, I didn't know who he was. So I think for, you know, people listening to that is pretty informative of kind of what this guy did mean to, you know, French roller hockey as well as individuals here over here in the States for almost starting to get Americans to come over there and, and start playing in France. Yeah. He gave these guys an opportunity, man. You know, like that's what it's all about is getting a chance. And he, he stuck his neck out for these guys to come out and play at a, at a very high level here out here. 
and these guys are very appreciative of that. You know, it's something that you you look you look at now, and and maybe he started the trend of of the uh, the imports in France. Oh yeah. So it's it's cool, and it's uh, you know it's uh, you know rest in peace, DDA. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you guys, like he said, for sharing that with us. Um, that was pretty informative and pretty awesome. Um, Jason, I was going to say, I mean, I, th- I think we're pretty good yeah, close to it. I would, I wanted to ask them one more question. Go ahead. Yeah. What, uh, what are your guys' most memorable games that you've played in? Obviously there's some championships and stuff, but I mean, uh, like for me, the one that sticks out to me, I know obviously this past summer, but. Uh, the second championship we won at Lindenwood, we were at we were at Newman. We were t- three miles away from Newman when Fox and DiMartino and Chinny were all there and um, a bunch of other pack, – Packed squad, eh? Packed – well, yeah, good squad. We had a good squad. Your team not too bad. They packed, they packed in 2,500 students in uh, right. Newman's ice rink. Man, that's great. Dude, college championship. It was unreal. We won two to one. And <laughs> unreal. Man, a lot of sorry, sorry Newman fans walking out. So like <laughs> a memorable That's how you wanted though, Kev. I wasn't even playing. I was on the bench sweating my ass off because it was so hot in that rink, but like still on the team. It's a memorable game for me, man. Yeah. So got the cup, dude. That's it. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean for me it's tough. I mean, uh you know, me actually, me and PJ talked about this a little while back about uh, about a game. Um, I remember we played against uh, Palma, in in it was it was uh, I think it was the first year Palma Pro. That uh, or no no I'm I'm, I'm not sure. What Palma game are you talking about? When we played against Palma uh, for the semifinal, in okay. in St. Louis. Might be, yeah, I think it was in St. Louis. That yeah, was the first year Palma Pro, right? Getting peppered, or the other one? No, no, no. We came back. I'm thinking of the game that Rez was getting peppered. Oh, so, yeah, definitely St. Louis. Yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was St. Louis. Um, you know, we were we were winning. We were winning the game. I think uh, you know, pretty low score, maybe like uh, two zero. Yeah, like, no, I think it was by one goal. One goal game, I think at the time. They didn't score. They didn't score this game. No. Well, well. Anyways, like they were just peppering us. They had some, you know, had some PPs. They're getting some mo, and you know, throwing. And Rez was just standing on top of his head like he usually does. And long story short, I guess, like comes to the point where Rez, Rez is just so gassed after one one PK, goes goes to our bench and and he's yakking on the bench like mid mid game, and uh, you know, and and Phil, and Phil Maroon. You know, he's on the bench with us, and he runs over with a trash can, like, try and get this guy, you know, like, <laughs> help him out a little bit, you know, pour some water on him, you know, like, give him a breath, you know. And uh, and and Rob Rob was on the bench on the other side, just like, drop the puck, you know, line up, line up, you know, like, get get back in there, you know, like, right away, yeah. you know, because this guy was just, Rez was just, I don't know, playing Standing out, on of his head. His, out of his mind, you know. And uh, and we get and we get to like the last like uh, last minute or something like this and and uh, Greg Thompson makes an unbelievable block at like top of the circles and and gets the puck and I'm out there on the on the PK as well I think it, and just feeds me the puck and I just do a no look like saucer like just shoot the puck 
down, hopefully, you know, somewhere between the pipes and, and it was right over like Oli's like helmet. Like he was probably like five feet in front of me, you know, I was just sending it the other way just to relieve pressure. And I just remember that game just like, man, I'm so happy that puck went in because Reds was just, I mean, I'm sure everyone, anyone who plays, anyone who plays roller and pro, they, they know who Reds is and, and how, how good of a goalie he is, you know, and arguably the best goalie and roller in the world, in my opinion. And so, man, like that game for sure sticks to my mind that, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, gave, he gave everything he got and, and, and threw, up, threw out a little, you know, a little yeah. extra, too, you know, like a little sauce. It's, it's funny because, like, if you were to watch that game uh, on replay again, you'll, you'll hear Chris Treft, obviously, as the, uh, the commentator. And you don't often hear a guy say that there's a beautiful goal on an empty net. But Siggy literally dished this perfect little, like, fluffy sauce that just right over Olinger's head <laughs> lands, like, maybe at the top of the circles and just, like, casually bounces right to the center of the net, dude. <laughs> and from that point on, we just knew we're like, oh, my God, finally, like, Red Redmond can relax. Like, we can just yeah. take it easy. The game is finally over now, you know. But he, we were getting peppered. He, you were so right. We are getting peppered all Second half, Pama was coming strong. We had a bunch of penalties that we took, and this guy just stood on his head for us and ended up winning uh, that game, which was awesome. But your empty net sauce was was pretty was pretty <laughs> special too. You guys won that year, right? You had KJ and Billy on your team that year, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the first year that Timmy did it the Pama Pro, and he did the whole like you know jersey shirts and like the pro player lounge, and it was like a cool situation, man. Like. But yeah, well we, done. Yeah, yeah well done it, was, it was really, really well done for sure. Nice. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, what, about you? what about you? I think um, I was actually going to go back to what. Uh, so obviously, you know, I, I like to tune into you guys and, and listen to what you have to say. And, and uh, I remember the uh, the New Year's Eve podcast that you did. Yeah, AKS. Yeah, and you mentioned and AKS. you mentioned the AKS man, dude. So so it's funny because um, I wanted to give you a little insight. Maybe you don't know this information, okay. uh, but a little more insight about why this game was for me. Of course, I remember it in my life for sure. It was it was a it was a great like uh, tournament for our team, but there was more to it than people know. <clears throat> and the fact is, um, we had pretty solid team, but <clears throat> in my opinion, mission was completely stacked. They had a roster that now, if they were to play pro, could probably win. And Whitey, and TK, Raffrod, like, yeah. Yeah, they were – Cody they, Evelyn, Junior Cadiz, yeah. they had Jerry and Nett, they had TK. Man, they had T on there, too? They had – no, no. Uh, it, it was basically next-gen, right? <laughs> it was completely next-gen. It was next-gen. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> So the whole, the whole, there was a little bit of drama before the, yeah, cheers, cheers boys. There's a little bit of drama before the, uh, the tournament actually started. And, um, so what happened was we had a, there was a tournament, an arched qualifier in Escondido that I remember. And we were playing with AKS and, and obviously we had Lauren Barron and Alex Barron and, and things were going good. And <clears throat> the bus. not trying to throw any, not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I love both those guys. They're, they're good friends of mine. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've, over the years, things happen, right? But what happened in this tournament, in this particular tournament, Lauren has always been an AKS guy. And I know that he will sure. always be considered part of that group forever, but, but he made a decision 
to, to go play with Mission this year. So, so AKS was kind of behind the eight ball, and they had to pick up a couple other, couple extra deep defensemen to, repl- to replace the guys that left. And they picked up me and Skyler for this tournament. Okay. Not so, bad. Not bad. Pick up. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so for Skyler, it was his last year. And for me, it was my second to last year. But either way, we ended up obviously meeting them in the finals. We played um, Reebok. Uh, which is they were super stacked too in the semis. It was like a seven to six. Travis, then right? And Oli. Yeah, Travis, a Rob Alexander. They had JT Urbano was their goalie. Rob Alexander. Yeah, man, they were they were a loaded team for sure. They were probably the favorites to win that that tournament if Mission wasn't. And I remember this guy Dan Quillico, who's is he from San Diego or no? I think he's Uh, from Colorado. I'm not sure. Either way, this guy Dan Quillico. He's a beauty. Though. He's he's a great guy. Yeah. He didn't score a uh, goal all tournament long, and he scores the OT winner in the semifinals to put us into the finals. Hell so yeah. it was a great pass. We had Spencer Heikman made an unbelievable pass, and he he buries like on the ground, and and we go to the finals, and we are playing uh, mission, and they score the first goal. I think it was uh, halfway in the first period, and then Dan again. Captain uh, Captain Clutch, yeah, Captain Clutch comes in, scores his second goal of the tournament to tie the game one to one. So now we're going in the second period tied, and things kind of were a stalemate at the time. But uh, I mean, like you mentioned, man, um, a memorable memorable game for myself was for sure that game. Uh, we were killing off a, a four on three penalty kill, and my buddy Lucas Romero comes out of the penalty box. Uh, I end up getting the puck at the high slot or like at the red line. Basically he cuts right to the net. I'm hoping for a screen. I don't know what's going to happen. And I kind of just fire it. Honestly, my whole thought process was just to try to avoid Raf Rodriguez, who is amazing great, defenseman, great D man, great, great guy. And like a play before that he had blocked a shot with his wheel. And I was like, dude, if he didn't block that, that was going in. So I literally just tried to avoid, <laughs> I just tried to avoid his wheel and and just put it on net and i got very very lucky and like you mentioned in the last podcast the celebration i honestly blacked out man had no clue hands in the air going right through the glass and the best part was for me tommy near was our coach he comes running off the bench and right into the pile man and like he felt he felt so part of it just like all the players did because he was a huge part of it and for for us, it was like the the icing on top of the, on top of the cake, man. Like That's it was, it was the perfect ending to a very like a uh, crazy summer. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that like it's one of my most memorable games, and just watching just because of the everything. I mean, I didn't even know that backstory, but knowing that backstory, that is definitely just makes it even sicker. There was more like uh, there was more from AKS than probably normal because we really, really wanted to win that game. Yeah. And there's, like I said, a whole backstory, but overall, man, it was a, like you said, awesome team and it was super fun. And, and just to help the guys yeah. win like that. Those guys are awesome too. Man. Awesome group great, of guys for, guys for sure. For sure. Uh, Georgie was on that team still then, right? Say it again. Georgie was still on that team then, right? Yeah, dude. Georgie, yeah. Ralph, no, I, Lucas Romero. I Joe never Martin, knew. I never knew that was George's dad until like two years ago, like on Father's Day, he posted a picture of him. 
<laughs> and I was like, that's your dad? And I was like, I've seen that guy at rinks for so many years. And he's like, I've always said my dad always is way more hey, not, not the thing is that if you don't recognize him, then you for sure hear his whistle because he does the same whistle every single time. He always whistles in a Change. certain way. No, he does this. And everyone recognizes it for sure. That's the Pat Barber thing. Oh, that's sick. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, man. I I just I remember you talking about it on the last pod on the earlier podcast, and I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that maybe you'd like the little backstory as well. I think that's awesome. Thank you for dude. Yeah, thank you for enriching and enlightening everybody a little bit more on our memory of that. I mean, shout out to Darren and Narch for having some good footage of the goal and the that game and the celly and everything. So yeah, sure. Well, fellas, I know it's pretty late over there, over uh, on the other side of the pond. And man, we, uh, we can't thank you guys enough for taking a little time and talking about some good roller, like you guys said. And uh, I think really too, I learned a lot about the European and the French league today and the French cup and everything. And I think for, you know, players here who think about doing that and, and hear you guys telling what it is and kind of more about it. Like that was enlightening to me. Like that's, that's unreal that there's a French cup and a league and then like a European tournament. And that that's, that's super cool. And it's super cool that you guys have been representing the USA for such a long time over there. So you guys yeah, are you guys are beauties. We love you guys. Somebody's got to do it, man. Hey, we're just trying to keep the dream alive, and uh, you know, for for especially for the kids out there, man. Like, there's always an opportunity, man. Just uh, keep keep striving, and uh, hey, we uh, we appreciate it. appreciate you guys for having us on this, man. It was awesome. Yeah, everything like what Kev said. Uh, you know, thank you guys for. I know it's what like two or three in the morning there, maybe four. But, it's all good, man. Yeah, it's pretty regular for us actually. We watch a lot of NHL games, you know. So <laughs> nice. That's cool. There you go. Well, yeah, we appreciate it. Job, you know. We could probably I talk. Gonna, about- I was just gonna, uh, yeah, we don't need to continue, but I wanted to bring up your Colorado Avalanche later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, we'll end this pod and then we can definitely talk about it real quick, but yeah, the, um, yeah. Thank you guys again for uh, joining with us. I know the time difference kind of can be a little difficult, but we figured it out. We made it happen. Um, and thank you guys again. I think a lot of people are going to get to listen and know more about, you know, Sigmund and UPJ and it's going to be great for uh, the, I think the younger generation that do look up to you guys that are starting to get into pro and they're seeing you guys are like, wow, look at the, where roller has taken them and where they're still going. So again, thank you guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it boys. Blow my smoke in the sky, still ignoring advice on the roof getting high. Live it up till I'm dead, ignorance in my head. Fuck whoever you are, I do it for my phone. Blow my smoke in the sky, still ignoring advice on the roof getting high. Live it up till I'm dead, ignorance in my head. Fuck whoever you are, yeah. I'll be after that half a half on a palm tree. I got your girl calling, told me meet me at the beach. Summer went hollering in Main Street to the Colony starlight was bright with the last night. Now she's calling. The rules might bend the break that'll remain hidden. Like we're throwing down when Mary's away on business. That's back deck says flower dress, long hair, blurred nice, but we still taking care. We rep the fan. Wake up way too early, get some food and down and dash. Too hung over to know the difference between this and that. Focus on how to open her up and approach her with class. Weekends seems they mean it every evening like the last. <laughs> 
Blowing smoke in the sky, still ignoring advice on the roof getting high. Sipping on so cold. Live it up till I'm dead. Ignorance in my head. Fuck whoever you are. I do it for my phone. Blowing smoke in the sky, still ignoring advice on the roof getting high. Sipping on so cold. Live it up till I'm dead. Ignorance in my head. Fuck whoever you are. I do it for my I can't keep up with the tempo. That's right, he's right, alright, let's ride. Now, what you trying to get into? Let's find some time tonight. Yeah, rooting and forget to pick up the 750 or dry gym for Fifth Ave liquors. Sus kids are wavy waving the sweeties on the streets. Stickers slap the fam logo right up on the damn hood of a Jeep. No cloud in the sky, but clouds in my mind. She with another man, now I'm wondering why. Comfortable surrounded, never not the full stride. See your ass tomorrow, so don't call it goodbye. Blow my smoke in the sky, still ignoring advice. On the roof getting high, sipping on my so cold. Live it up till I'm dead, ignorance in my head. Fuck whoever you are, I do it for my phone. Blow my smoke in the sky, still ignoring advice. On the roof getting high, sipping on my so cold. Live it up till I'm dead, ignorance in my head. Fuck whoever you are, I do it for my phone. Can't keep up with the tempo. That's right, he's right, alright, let's ride. Now, what you trying to get into? Let's find some time tonight. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is the bright side. Bring your friends and shut it down. I hope everyone's having a good time playing it. Summer of 2012. If it's summer of 2040, play this shit a little bit louder. Cause we making timeless music, man. This is the fresh air movement. And if you don't fuck with us, 